Hello, I'm Adam Robertson, and you're listening to This Is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. Hello, and welcome to This Is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas, and joining me tonight, we have the usual two, Scott Patterson and Tommy McIntyre. Gentlemen, how are you? Hi, Martin. Very well, thanks. You? Very good, thank you. Evening, gentlemen. Not bad, not bad. And I'm delighted to see we're uh, joined by Wally Irvin of the Rangers Youth Updates Twitter page and Instagram. Well, Wally, how are you doing? Uh, I was all right until I decided to shave and now I look horrendous. It happens, mate, it happens. <laughs> um, <I> f- <laughs> no, I can see Tommy's about to jump in there, so just do shush. <laughs> you know, all I was going to say was, you know, I was just going to say on camera, it wasn't about your, um, your lack of beard and, uh, you know, I hope you beat whatever charges you are up for <laughs> at, the, uh, at the high court. Um, it was just to say hello and thanks for, thanks for joining us, William. That's yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Welcome, William. Yeah, that, that was all. That was all. Right, we're going to start this week by talking about a youngster, Stephen Kelly. Um, William, it'd be great to get your opinion on him. He was recently voted as player of the season. Um, and what, what's your thoughts on him going forward? Do you think he's ready to come into the Rangers uh, first team? Or do you think another year out on loan would do him uh, the world of good? I think it obviously comes down to what the club decide. Um, Stephen's obviously got a year left in his contract, I believe. So I would imagine if the club are going to loan him out again, they're going to extend his contract first. So they would maybe look to add another one, two or three years. But I mean, Stephen was one of the first ones picked out by the manager when he first came in. And Stephen's obviously trained with the first team. He's been with the first team for most of the time. And then he's always went out and loaned air. I don't really think anybody that had seen Stephen was that surprised when he did that well. He's technically probably the best player at the academy. He does a bit of everything, you know. He's, his range of passing is good. He reads the game well. He can strike a ball for distance. He's a good set-piece taker. He's just got a little bit of everything. The thing that people always questioned about him was maybe he was a bit lightweight. But I think that's been disproven now playing in the championship because it's a reasonably physical league. And Stephen's held up to it quite well. And the fact that their supporters have... Voted him the young player of the year probably tells you everything that you need to know about him. Ah, yeah, that's true. And Tommy, we hear this a lot about young players, and it's not maybe not so much nowadays, but certainly in the past, they're too lightweight or too wee. Um, as far as I'm aware, um, Stephen Kelly's always been spoke about just between Rangers fans, and there's a lot of Rangers fans that don't really take much today with the youth teams, um, but he's certainly one that's been spoke about a lot. Yeah, well, I think for the, the majority of, of fans, uh, well, certainly, certainly myself, you keep an eye on, on the youth, but we're really all you know, balanced uh, and focused on who breaks through and who's the next big thing. William's got a much more in-depth uh, youth view there, which will be really interesting, fascinating to go through as, as we progress on tonight's pod. I think the, the physicality thing is something that's levied at any athlete. Uh, any professional sportsman uh, or sportswoman in that they have to be able to compete, uh, compete physically. And so talent will get you so far, but if you are made of glass uh, or you have um, chronic uh, physicality problems or you can't quite make the grade weight-wise or muscle mass-wise, then you're going to struggle. And it's very few players, I suspect, can find a career in professional football just getting by on, you know, being really lightweight and, and you know, weirdly enough, when, when I talk about that, for some reason, Willow Flood, um, the image of Willow Flood appears in my in my <laughs> mind there. Um, but he did make a, a reasonable success of it playing for some smaller clubs. So, um, and some of them in Scotland as well, uh, uh, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I think the, the physicality thing's always been there. I think Scotland has particularly suffered from it. We've always had that. Uh, historically, I'm sure it's changed now, certainly with Rangers uh, and the team that they've got behind the scenes. But there was always this feeling you had to be a big, strong boy. Um, now there's much more, yeah, that's great when you can condition yourself in the gym and we'll see what happens with you. But can you actually trap a ball? Can you pass a ball? Can you spot a pass? And are you mentally muscular uh, in terms of making decisions in the game? And I think that's a good shift for, for Scottish football and Rangers to, to focus on those types of aspects as opposed to just being a big, strong boy. When you say mentally muscular, is that you just try to be smart and you mean strong? Mind well, I, I do like alliteration. Uh, so <laughs> I, I always try to, to use that whenever I can. Uh, you, the she's just friend of mine. 
Um, yes, I've always been smart. What I meant was making the right decisions at the right time and taking on board the coaching in terms of when to play the passing transition, when to hold your position, when to take your man on. The things that Stephen Gerrard, Graham Murty, um, Tegmo Holland, etc. reinforce to the, the players through all the age groups. That, that's what I meant. I tried to give you a short answer for once, Martin, and you called me out. So, strap <laughs> in for a long podcast. <laughs> oh, just, just say that in future. Don't be a smart ass. Uh, I can't Scott, help that. Scott, wait, what's, what's your opinion? Not, not just on Stephen Kelly, but the Rangers youths in general. Do you take a, do you take a lot of um, stock in the Rangers youth team, or do you mainly focus just on the main team? Probably have a, a, a wee interest back and forward. I wouldn't say my... Um, my, my knowledge of it is as, as great as, as what Williams is, as we know. I'm looking forward to putting a few things to him shortly. Um, I think we're, we, we, we have a, a really good crop of young guys just now. I, I think we've said in the podcast before that um, we kind of say that with a wee bit too much regularity without the guys actually making that final step into the first team squad. I think next season that may change, and I think we will see more of these young guys um, in and around the first team squad. I mean, William, I don't know if you think um, Stephen Kelly is going to be a part of the squad next season or not, but even for guys that have been away for, for the season, like Robbie McCrory, and now there's obviously a, 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 an availability as far as the number two, I would assume, to Alan McGregor next year has came up. Do you see Robbie going into that position next year? My personal opinion is I would like to see him go out and loan again right. for another season. And that purely only comes from another... 30 or 40 or 50 games out on loan yeah. at Premier League level, I think would be great for him. Whereas if he's just going to sit on the bench potentially for a season, maybe play like the three or four games that Wes played last season, I'm not really so sure that's going to benefit Robbie. And I know people say that goalkeepers are different, and but he's still at an age where he can go out and loan for another season and it's not really going to affect anything from his point of view. And I think from the club's point of view, the the charter has been that they're going to extend his contract again. So I think they're pretty much pointing every way that Robbie's going to be the number one at some point. Good. Because they're not like, sort of doing all this work. They're not sending him out and loan. They're not putting all the you know, the effort in behind the scenes. They're not going to extend his contract just to make him a backup. Aye, you know, so everything that Robbie's doing right now is pretty much focused on him moving forward into that number one jersey. Whether that's after next season or the season after that, that'll come down to whenever Alan McGregor decides that enough's enough. Um, but with Robbie, for me personally, I would say one more season out on loan, and then right. he comes back, and then if it's him against Alan one-on-one, then it'll be a good battle, because Robbie will, f- will believe in his own head once he's played that amount of Premier League games that he's probably ready to come in and play for Rangers. Can I just ask you on... Well, on... yeah, it's like if, if, if I could just take it... Sorry, sorry, Scott. It's okay, mate, on you go, no, carry on, Martin, it's okay, but... No, I was just actually going to ask, you see as a whole, Rangers have been criticised for many, many years for not um, developing youth enough. But I think when a lot of this criticism gets brought in, they forget which state the club was in in 2012, when we had no scouts, no recruitment, no money, no anything. But if you go pre-2012, we still, we weren't a club that really kind of brought through youth. So see this current... um, youth development we've got and everything that's happening at the Rangers training centre for you is it is it good enough or can we improve or I think there's been a change in emphasis since like Craig Mulholland took over I think before that which is a bit of a kind of contradiction in terms really before that the Rangers were always the bigger stronger more physical team Celtic were always the smaller and sort of better technical players that's completely changed now if you actually look at Celtic and in like 18s level and and sort of development level they've always been bigger than Rangers the last couple of years, whereas we're a far better technical team. So the idea of the academy is now that every player's got to be technically very, very good. And then as they get older and they progress, they'll get bigger, they'll get stronger, they'll go out and loan, they'll get tested at different levels to see how they cope. Anyway, so I'll just get back to Robbie McCrory. He's been down in at League Two. Well, he spent mm-hmm. a season at Berwick Rangers and they pretty much stayed up off the back of Robbie's season. Since then, they've fallen out in the obscurity. You know, so that shows you how good a season Robbie had that year when he won, I think, like every trophy that Berwick yeah. Rangers handed out. And then he's obviously been out in the Championship a couple of times. He's now did Premier League. And that's what they want to do with all the players. I mean, Stephen's mm-hmm. just lucky. Stephen Kelly dropped out of the Championship and played for air. And, you know, he stood out at that level straight away. That's not going to be the same for every player. Some guys might need to go to League One 
and then step up to the championship and then see how they do it at that level and then move up. Everybody's going to have a different sort of barrier to see where they're going to move kind of, you know, throughout the divisions. Somebody yeah, well, like Nathan Patterson, he might never go out and loan Nathan Patterson. He might just come straight into the first team. William, do, do, you think it's, do you think it's fair just bringing a few of those, those threads together? Yeah. I, I, agree with, you know, I agree with that view that it's all about, uh, particularly on Rob McCrory, I, I think I'd said, and then walked it back, that I thought he'd go back out for another year on loan. Yeah. And then with Fodenham leaving, I thought he'd maybe get the, the jersey, uh, or be in the fight for the jersey. But you touched on a few things there, and I think it's quite interesting that the, and you keep me right here from a youth perspective, but I, I feel that this is probably the case that the understanding is to take the best players, get them out at A level, which is League One, Championship, whatever, and then step them up progressively. Yeah. Because all that ties into the comments we made uh, earlier about the mental toughness and the physical robustness. Yeah. Um, but it also ties into, I, I feel what is really important for Craig Mulholland, Graham Marty, and um, Stephen Gerrard, and you see that in some of the purchases they've made recently, yeah. which is young guys, but who have played a high amount of professional first team games at whatever level. So they come in, not reserves, not nothing games, real games where something's on the line. Is that something that's permeating right through, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And this is why, I mean, you've probably seen me on Twitter a few times banging on about like having a coach team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why we're one of the few leagues in Europe where like, the capacity we've got in this country, we could easily have a coach team at some level. And so... If somebody's 17-year-old and they're a standout, we could have them in the coach team. And by the time that they're 19, they could have played 70, 80, 90 games of men's football. And then it would be so much easier to say, right, guys, we'll put you into the first team. We'll put you on the bench for a couple of cup games. We'll see how you progress against that level of opposition. And then they can move up. I mean, as it stands at the moment, like, a lot of these guys are going from like, under-18 football into development football, which at the moment, it's kind of up in there because that many teams have released that many players. Yes. I don't know how that's going to look next season. And I actually don't know if the club know how it's going to look either. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to do the best versus best style because the way that it is, you know, you're not going to be able to fly to Spain, fly to Italy, fly to Germany and play the best teams. So I'm not really too sure how they're going to look at it. Next season might be a requirement where we'll just send a lot of players out and loan once all the leagues come back. Because I'm not too sure if there's going to be enough teams for a development league, and I don't know if there's going to be enough, like sort of openings to play these best versus best games. Because there might be a limitation on travel for a lot of them. Mm. William, can I just come back to you and Stephen Kelly? Yeah. Um, who would you say is like? I think we. I mean, I've seen a lot of sort of as you sort of suggested, he's he's a cracking striker of the ball by all accounts, and um, he yeah. scored a, a few cracking efforts. One brings my mind that he scored at Fir Hill against Partick it was a beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's he like? Not necessarily in the, in the current squad, but is there someone that we can associate? We can sort of bracket him in alongside, as far as a midfielder is concerned. <laughs> well, I think I think we look at Stephen. If anybody has seen him, they'll probably say he's like a number ten. Okay. We've not really had that many number 10s over the last kind of, 10, 15, 20 years, really. Yeah. To me, he's a sort of midfield player that will always look to drive forward. He'll always look to take the ball. He's never afraid to take the ball, even for the goalkeeper in the edge of the 18-yard box. He'll take it and move it forward. But the best out of Stephen is getting him in the middle of the park, getting him higher up the pitch and scoring goals. You're probably going back to somebody like, like an injured ant type player, where like, he's really good at ghosting into the box. He scores goals. But what he's also got to his game is that he can score free kicks, yeah. he'll score goals for distance. But his link-up plays, movement, his general like, attacking plays of a really, really high standard. And like, so Kai Kennedy's another, he's quite a similar type of player. And that's the thing about the academy now, we've got more of these, what you would call number 10 players now. Yeah. And that's just where football's moving towards. These like, guys that can play in a free role almost. You almost loathe to say... and. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Stephen Kelly could be learning from someone who was his idol at one point as he was sort of growing up and going through a development. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, I think that's the big thing. When The fact that like um, Stephen Kelly was one of the first guys to get picked by Stephen Gerrard, I think you've probably seen it that day when he was given his new contract and he was round about the first team and they were asking him to sing a song. And yeah. you know, He was like, one of the first academy players that got like an extended contract when Stephen Gerrard took. Yeah, took over, sorry. So I think that tells you a lot. Stephen stood out that early on under 
Stephen Gerrard that he wanted to give him an extended contract. And, and that's one of the reasons why they've gradually put him out on loan and they've tested him. And he's obviously come on for the first team before. So I think Stephen is one of these guys. It's, it'll really depend how they see next season. Are they going to loan him out again? Are they going to bring him into the squad? But you know, are they going to play enough games? William, so, so just on that, and, and kudos to Scott for getting Ian Duran uh, into yet another podcast <laughs> there, right? Um, so I'm, I'm just, it's really interesting, William, about that. So let's call, let's call Stephen one of the headline acts, right? And there's a lot of focus and not pressure, but a lot of focus on him to, to graduate, so to speak. So let's maybe go to the other side of the ledger. Because somebody who I think's maybe in a wee bit of the kind of, not the wilderness, so to speak, but I come into a, a critical moment uh, and he's been in and out of the first team and down into youth as well as your Glenn Middleton. Yeah. And I'm wondering, what's the what's your take and what's the feeling about the club about, does he make the step up again or is it just not happening for him? The thing with Glenn that I've found is that he obviously come back and he played a bit for the reserves. And obviously the reserves won the league that season. Glenn ended up playing as a number nine. He scored the two goals against Celtic that actually pretty much won his league. He got the two goals in the cup final that almost got his back in and you know, possibly winning that cup final at Celtic Park. But it seems to be that his level is in between reserve level at Rangers and first team level at Rangers. So for me, I think it's probable that Glenn will move on. I don't know if there's a position now for him within that team. My only worry for Glenn now is he's been out and loan a couple of times and it doesn't really seem to have worked for him. Yeah. So I'm not really too sure what level he's thinking that he can go at. I just don't think that he's going to be at Rangers next season, whether that's out and loan again or whether that's leaving on a permanent basis. But I just think his time has probably kind of tipped over now and that's probably the same for a few guys at that age. It's probably just kind of tipping towards leaving. Because if you're not playing first-team football at 20, nearly turning 21, I think in Scotland you're past that time. Down in England it's different. They've got under 20 fees. You can spend another year or two in England. In Scotland you just can't have guys sitting there at nearly 21 years old. They're not playing first-team football. They're not really making an impression in the squad. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Middleton, but it looked yeah. to me as if the, uh, the Hibs loan yeah. was really the one that, that really kind of killed it. He yeah. couldn't break into that team under, uh, you know, well, a relatively less than talented squad yeah. and he couldn't, he couldn't nail in a, in a place. So that, that seemed to be the one that watershed moment for me. Yeah, like me, my big thing with Glenn is when Glenn came in straight away, he looked like a standout player. You know, when the club brought him in at that level, at reserve level, development level, whatever you want to call it these days, he was scoring goals, he was creating goals, his movement was good, everything, he was just, he was hurting teams and everybody was sitting around about us and we're sitting going, you know, this kid's got a chance. And then he obviously got the long-term contracts for the club. And then he also kind of played for the first team. And he showed like gradual moments of brilliance. You know, like the, the game against Valeriale, came over in Spain, he did a really good performance. He did a couple of good performances in Scotland. Everybody's thinking, he's a young kid, give him time, it's going to happen. But then I don't know what's happened. If it's maybe a confidence thing, maybe he just maybe needs somebody to put a kind of you know, arm around him and say to him, look, you're a good player. You just need to show it on the pitch. Let's get back to doing what you did best. But, but I agree, I think like, the Hibs loan really seemed to hurt him. A bit like Josh McPake at Dundee, that's... I mean, mm-hmm. Josh is one of the most confident guys I've ever seen in a pitch. And then that loan to Dundee, it's just, it's really hurt him. Really. Sorry to jump on the on the question again, and I'll, I'll try not to hog these, uh, William. It's just so interesting. Yeah. I'm just wondering, you're round about those games, and obviously there's you know, less fans at these games and stuff like that. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to the likes of Josh McPake or if you know, you've got interactions with them. But just on that one specifically, did he take away a, a, a dip in confidence from that Dundee scenario? Because it did look like it. I think even just watching his performances, when you watch a lot of football, you can see players... Even Josh was confident. He's probably what you would consider like a kind of wee Glasgow Gallus player. You know, he was always looking for the ball. You know, like Josh would come back and look for the ball and try and take on three guys and try and score. Whereas when he come back through the loan, he looked really low in confidence. He's, he's kind of body attitude didn't look right, if you know what I mean. He, like, mm. he never looked as confident on the ball. A lot of the things he was doing was like the same trick over and over again. As though he'd lost confidence in some of the things that he was good at. 
But I thought he showed a wee spark. I think it was when we played Partick in the Glasgow Cup. He scored two really good goals. And then for a couple of games after that, he looked really sharp. But then he picked up an injury. And then he missed what a period. And then when he came back again, he seemed to have kind of dipped off. So maybe this wee period, a reflection for him. Because I think Josh is still only 18, I believe. So still very young. He was one of the youngest players to go out and loan. He was 17 when he went to Dundee. And I think everybody thought he was going to go there and you know, kind of show up well. But I mean, Dundee over that season that's just passed there, they never really done a great deal, to be honest. They probably didn't get to the level that they thought they would have done. Because Dundee United pulled away and then Inverness did really well. Even Air United looked like a better team than Dundee. So maybe the loan wasn't the right loan and maybe that's something the club can look at and maybe say, maybe we should have picked a, you know, the right team or a better level for Josh that would have worked for him rather than that particular loan. I wonder if Dundee wish they changed their mind. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty good at that. Sorry. <laughs> what I would say is, is, is um, see when you look at all the loans that we've sent players out on, and you can look over the last two or three years, there's only so many loans that's worked out well. Mm-hmm. But a guy just went out and loaned the last few years. I mean, like Matthew Shields for me is a very, very good player, very good left back. He's physically strong, he's got a good technical base. But he went on loan to Dumbarton, and like sort of speaking to Matt, he's speaking to his dad. It just didn't work out, which shocked me. I mean, yeah. well, uh, level, Matt, he should be comfortable at League One level. Yeah, mm. yeah we're, we're going to come. We're going to come back. Well, like a couple of the younger ones in a wee sec. Um, but I just need to clear a couple of things up. Number one, I can't hide my facial expressions anymore because I've had a shave. And any time anybody mentions Ian Durant, I just expect to see Scott's knees. Um, <laughs> number two, I haven't got a red face. I've got severe sunburn for anybody watching. By the way, I have burnt myself to buggery. So, um, but yeah, I thought I had to clear that up because I can see myself on camera and I can see how red this is, you know. And it's <laughs> much, I never yeah, shaved. I made you feel any better. Yeah. You have to see you on camera. I've got no idea why I shaved. But well, um, the Rangers announced today that they've extended the contracts of uh, Jack Thompson, Brian Kinnear, Robbie Fraser and Alex Lowry. Yep. Now, we were having a wee quick chat about Jack Thompson before we came on. And I was saying to you that he's one of the best players to have in football manager. But the, how good is he uh, for the youths? Because you were mentioning he's quite susceptible to injury. Yeah, I will. One of the first times I've seen Jack, I think it was under 16, under 17 level. Jack... He was one of those guys. He could play either in central midfield, holding midfield, or centre back. He just looked really comfortable. So when he gradually was obviously moving up the levels, he just he looked like such a composed footballer, somebody that could take the ball in any in a position on the pitch. And he, you know, everything just looked simple. And when players have that like kind of aura around them, you just think this guy's got a chance because there's that kind of degree of confidence in them. But then I say. He's had a couple of really, really bad injuries. I mean, he's missed probably like two out of the last three years. With injuries, a lot of them are silly things. I think he had something to do with like sort of growing pains in his back, and he missed like six months, and then he came back, and then he had another injury. But see, whenever Jack plays, he's always one of the best players in the pitch, and this is why I think the club continue to keep giving him a year. You know, to keep looking at him in the hope that if he can stay fit for a year. Jack's a really, really talented footballer. And I think they'll continue to try and help him as much as they can because they do believe that he's got something and that he can be a better player. But it is just the injury thing. A bit like when Scott was talking earlier, I think, about something players are a bit unfortunate. They're kind of made of glass. Kind of Jack sometimes just doesn't seem to be able to stay clear injury. And I don't think it's anything to do with how he trains or how he plays the game. It's just He's just really unfortunate that Every kind of tackle in the game that has injured somebody, it just always seems to be Jack. Is he playing the same position by any chance as Jordan Rosser? Sort of. <laughs> sort William, of. William, is he Jordan Rosser? Has <laughs> <laughs> he just come back? Yeah, I, tell you, I actually see more of Jordan Rosser in the reserves than I did in the first team, so that's probably. Oh, fair enough. You know? But he see, whenever he played for the reserves, his attitude was fantastic. You know, like he never. He never showed up like he was like a Billy Big Boys player. You know, his attitude was brilliant. You know, with the young players, he would always go up and talk to them. He was talking through the games. And like, 
always think it's tough in first team players drop down. Some of them kind of look as though they're not really that interested. Jordan was one of those guys. He dropped down everything, you know, 100%. He was committed. And that's all you can ask when guys drop down to reserve level and play in games like that. He was a cracking footballer, Jordan. It's, uh, it, it, it hurts me. I, I really liked him. Um, but could you maybe tell us then, for, like I say, I don't pay enough attention to the youths, is, yeah. is what I should. But could you maybe tell us people, any players who you think might make the grade who we should look out for? Well, I think you've probably seen most of these guys in the last maybe year or so. Um, Nathan Patterson. I mean, Nathan is what you would consider like your new like sort of attack-minded fullback. I mean, there's obviously been a change in the fullback position. In the past, it was more important to be a good defender, first and foremost. Now it's very much, you know, got up and down the line, be aggressive, get into the box, put crosses into the box. So like, uh, Nathan Patterson is probably one of those guys that is right on the cusp. I really like Kai Kennedy. I think Kai is technically fantastic. He's only just turned 18. He's, he's slight, but... If Kai can grow to kind of roughly the same height as his dad, then he'll be six foot one, six foot two. And so all the technical ability around that, like sort of physical size, he'll be a fantastic player. You know, a, a really, really talented footballer. Um, some of the younger age groups, you've got guys like Alex Lowry, who's technically a fantastic footballer, does like kind of off-the-cuff things, like the sort of things you would see on, on the beach. You know, he's trying tricks, and they work. And when he's playing well, the whole team's playing well. Um, guys like Ross McCausland, who's both in Northern Ireland, they've kind of shifted him from playing wide to through the middle. And with his pace, most defences can't cope with the pace that Ross has got. So whenever that ball goes in, like the side of the fullbacks or it's over the top, Ross is away and he just he scores a ridiculous amount of goals. And that's why they moved him inside. Because he, he was actually hopping teams more through the middle than he was out wide. Do you know, actually, there was something I, I did want to ask you because you go to a lot of these youth games and you mentioned it a, a wee bit earlier on about the development league. Yeah. Is there much difference between what was the old uh, reserve league and the development league? And if there is, are you more for the reserve or development league? The development league was supposed to be better because you were allowed to play, I think it was five first-team players. So when they said that that was going to be the case, or was it the other way? It may have been two, then it changed to five. But I think the idea was that they wanted more first-team players dropping down and it was going to help the younger players like it used to back 15, 20 years ago. When you hear Barry Ferguson talking and you hear a lot of ex-players saying, you know, we used to get the kicked out of us and guys were elbowed in the face and you know, we were leaving thinking, you know, we need to be stronger. We need... But you don't really see that at development level. There's not enough of the physical side of the game. And that's kind of where a lot of the question marks will always be around players at any level in Scotland because they don't think that they're going to be strong enough to go into the first team. And that mm. can be, you know, that's the same for every player in Scotland, whether it's Rangers, Aberdeen, Celtic, Mullable. It's difficult because unless you go out and go and get toughened up a little bit, it is fairly difficult to come into a first team in Scotland and just cope with the sheer physicality. I mean, like the night that uh, Serge Atakai came on and he was back off in 10 minutes because of that poor tackle in that game. Yeah, you know, these guys aren't afraid to put the boot in. You know, it's a bit like young kids don't really get that at development level. They don't get guys looking to try and hurt them. The only player that I've ever seen probably upset first team players was Billy Gomer. Billy Gomer used to upset players mm -hmm. at like reserve level. Billy was 15 and he was literally taking the piss out of first team players. So these guys <laughs> were getting so angry at him nutmegging them, knocking the ball by them, that they were trying to cut them in half, you know. He's the only player I've ever seen that first-team players get really annoyed with. And that was, he actually got sent off one day against Hibs because he took such abuse from like four or five Hibs players that he ended up getting sent off. And I've never seen that in any other game that I've watched over the last kind of four or five years. See, see, in fairness, he took, the pass, he, he took the pass out of Liverpool in fairness. He did, so. I. <laughs> yeah, honestly, for a 15-year-old boy, some of the things he did to guys that were first-team players, guys who were in, like, mid-20s, late-20s, some even guys in their 30s. Billy was taking the pursuit of these guys at 15. So you can only imagine what he's like, like, three years, four years down the line now, where he's stronger, he's technically better, he's now playing in the EPL. I mean, Billy could be one of the best Scottish players ever if, if he's allowed to at Chelsea. 
you know, the only worry at Kiel should be that they're going to go and spend loads of money and Billy drops out of the team. But if that's the case, Billy will move to somewhere else and he will play because he's too good. He may end up playing for Scotland though and have all his confidence took out him. You never know. I think that's why they keep holding him back. Before we move on, Scott, Tommy, have you just got any more questions about the reserves? I've got, I've got one, if you don't mind, William. I just, you don't I, have to put your hand up, Scott. It's not I scary. know. <laughs> it, it's, it's fascinating having you on, William. The, 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 probably the last thing for me is we've spoke historically on the podcast about um, the boy Leon King. Um, yeah. And how much of a, a a real coup it was for Rangers to secure him on a I think it was a two two year contract at the time. Um, what can you give us as far as an insight into him? What can we expect from Leon King? Not maybe this season, but certainly over the next yeah. couple of years at Ibrox. Yeah, look, Leon. Leon was like the size of a man when he was like fourteen. Okay. You know, Leon was already built like a first team player at fourteen. It's his composure on the ball that's always struck me. You know, he's it he, mainly he's used at centre back, but he can play in like the holding midfield role. He can play even a little bit higher up. Right. Um, but technically, he's just you know he's perfect, and like his physicality uh, at that age is it's ridiculous. You just don't see many guys that size. I mean, he was playing like under 18s when he was like 14, 15, and he looked comfortable. And he's already played a couple of games, like like sort of unofficial games as they call it in Scotland, because officially you're. I think they're supposed to be 16 before you play like sort of reserve of development. Yeah. So the Rangers have used them in these like best versus best games and stuff because they're not officials games. But Leon's just, he's technically such a good footballer, physically strong. I, I think Rangers will look to use him when he does play in the first team as a number four, kind of sitting behind like the midfield or sitting in front of the defence almost. I think that's where we'll look to use him, but he could easily drop in as a as a centre-back and play. With Leon, I was always 50-50 whether he would, he would stay or go. I mean, I, was, I used to pester his mum sometimes, like, you know, is he going to sign? Is he going to stay? Because obviously with Tartan with Bali, we were all kind of gutted when Bali left because we realised how special he was. So when the rumours about Leon were the English clubs were sniffing about, we were sitting there, no again. Yeah. But... Fairly Leon, you know, he never seemed to let his head go. His mum and his dad are very good people. And so, you know, when it was announced that he'd signed, you know, the two-year deal, I was like, I messaged Leon and said, look, I was delighted that he stayed at Rangers because, you know, Leon's got massive potential. He, you know, he could well be in the first team in two years' time. What I'll do is uh, I'll follow Scott here. I'll, I'll put my hand up, right? Um, <laughs> Set so, Thomas. Ah, there we go. Uh, this, is, this is me standing up. Um <laughs> The final question for me, I'm, I'm just wondering, William, and I echo Scott's comments there. Fascinating having you on. Uh, great insight, buddy. You've been watching youth games really closely through, let's say, the infrastructure changes and changes in manager across Mark Warburton, Pedro Cachina, Graham Marti, Stephen Gerrard. Is there a noticeable difference in approach that's, that's now happening with the youth in terms of the way we're going about the uh, adaptations of those players, how we're approaching games. I, I take it that it is noticeable. Yeah, look, I think a lot of credit does go to Mark Warburton in a lot of ways because I think when you look at his time in football, to me, he would be the perfect head of youth development, somebody like Mark Warburton. Because a lot of his, his football stuff is based around younger players. So he likes signing younger players and developing them selling them on. So to me, he would be a perfect head of youth development. So he kind of started this whole best versus best. And that's how you've now got like the UEFA Youth League because of guys like Mark Warburton who was pushing and pushing and pushing it. Yeah. The academy at that point changed in terms of how we did things, how we how we wanted to play, how we wanted more technical players. And that's just gradually gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And a lot of that comes down to guys like Colin Stewart and the lot of money, the more lot of money that comes in, the better the academy will be. Because if you're, you know, if you're handing over checks for four hundred thousand pounds each year, there's not many other academies that can do that in Scotland. Mm. So it means that we can pick up guys like us. We signed um, young Kyle Semple, who came from Malvo. He's a really good player. We've also picked up uh, Umaro Baldi. He's obviously come over from Portugal for Sport in Lisbon. We've picked up Malcolm Abui. Once he was released by Arsenal, 
things like that, you know, like, um, even Nathan Young Coombs when they left Chelsea, they didn't always necessarily pick up a lot of English players because, you know, like down in England, there's that many clubs that can offer better money, that can offer mm-hmm. better opportunities. But now with the, the way the academy is, you know, we're able to entice good players up. I mean, the last couple of years, the lads from Northern Ireland, the lads from England, a couple of the European players that's come in, we're better because we've added a better standard of player. And I think in the past it was, let's just sign somebody because they're bigger and stronger than everybody else at 16s or 70s. That's not how it is now. You know, they don't look at it like they want the best technical players that we can get. And you'll probably see like El Fideldo on like sort of Twitter talking. He's been going to games for like 30 years. Yeah. And he says like it's noticeable in the last five years how things have changed, how the like the technical side of things. And I'll say finally, I mean, I and Craig Mahon, so we're lucky enough to have some contact with Craig and some of the other members of staff at the academy, and they can never be anything more than helpful. You know, they help us when maybe there's games that have been, had times changed, there's been, you know, they've like, sort of changed where the venue is for the game, it's short notice, we've had a text or a phone call to say, look guys, the venue's been changed, make sure you come here instead. Like, uh, yeah, during the season there, we get invited to the hospitality and stuff. I mean, like, they don't need to do things like that, but you feel as though you're part of the family because you go to the games, and I think that's something that's changed as well at the club. We are back to where we were. You know, we're a club that actually cares. I think for a few years under some of the other owners, we weren't. But we are back to where we are. And there's a lot of good people who want the best for every young player that comes into the academy. And as long as they're good enough, I do believe the manager will give them a chance to play. Good. Brilliant. Right, well, we shall move on from there. And we're going to move to a segment Willie, that we call My Jers. Now, for, to let you know, let the listeners and the viewers know, this is where one of the podders picks their favourite team. Right, okay. Their favourite Rangers team, obviously. But it has to be players that you've seen either at Ibrox or on the, on the TV, and it has to be within your lifetime. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you your age, William, but you might be a good judge at Tommy's team because it's Tommy's turn to pick this week. Okay. Now, Tommy, if you could just let everybody know who's listening and viewing the time span here. Well, uh, you know, early 2000s, to, to, to <laughs> is, that, is, is that fair? No, William, your camera's, your camera's not broken, right? I am lying. It's <laughs> funny you say that, because you look older than you, mate, and I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't love it. Somebody pull, somebody pull William's invite. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're talking probably from late, Late um, late eighties, early nineties to, to now, damn Christ, uh, that's really hard to say. Eighty uh, yourself on a camera. Uh, I'm showing every one of those years. Eighty what? Um, sorry. Eighty what? I would probably say from about eighty. I mean, I could get really creative with that, but I'm going to say from uh, eighty eighty eight, eighty nine onwards. Right. So the year I was born. Cool. Yeah, um, there we go. So, I mean, God knows what kind of trauma you've been through to work with that, Martin, right? <laughs> um, but if you, you've got a decade on me, but um, yeah, so I expect to be uh, ripped to shreds, no matter who I pick. Um, William, you don't need to nod in agreement so vigorously. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, and that's some of my earliest memories watching Wingers as a then. So I just about remember a lot of what happened at that point. I was only kind of six or seven, so I do remember. Right, well. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll start, right, and, uh, okay, so uh, I am going for the only goalkeeper that can be chosen, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and we've got some, there's some great candidates in there, and we've cycled through some of them, uh, William already, your, uh, your Alan McGregor's, your, your Stefan Clossies, their goalie, but I'm going to go with the guy, the £1 million man, 184 appearances, 43 caps, five weeks, Three Scottish Cups, two League Cups. The guy that broke a certain Celtic manager's heart it is the one and only big goalkeeper. It is Andy Gore. Right, now, before anybody else jumps in, I'm not going to give away my team, right, but I'm going to pick Andy Gorham. I would imagine, well, if you were doing it, you would pick Andy Gorham. I would imagine anybody who's seen Andy Gorham would pick Andy Gorham. That's my door. Scott, who did you, Scott, who did you pick? 
<laughs> I went with Alan McGregor last week. He went with Alan McGregor, right? Just that's enough. Enough said. Enough I was going to say, Scott, that joke you just made is that your door going, aye, that's Andy Gorham at your door. <laughs> <laughs> right, now, Tommy, what formation are you playing? Well, here, here comes the shocker, guys, right? Because I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an older gentleman. I'm a veteran, right? And uh, you can... And this has been a, a sense of controversy, uh, uh, William. So, actually, snap question for William. Gun in your head, you need to pick a left back. David Robertson or Arthur Newman? David Robertson. Yes! See, it's got to be David Robertson. I just always thought David was kind of underrated when we signed him. But his link-up play with loud. That's, that's again, William, William, uh, William's great at the youth, but when he gets to the first team, he's he <laughs> 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 absolutely spot on. So, so that's the controls. I've always thought that half the moment, but what I will say is no fullbacks in my team. No. You've got 3 5 2. Oh, well, 3 4 3. Sorry, 3 4 3. Mm. Yeah. Ah, right. Uh, so three setbacks back a few years ago. Aye, exactly. So I'm picking a team set up of its time as well. Uh, Don't pick Basil Bolly. Aye, <laughs> um, uh, if uh, there's Mazo, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, besides if I was Smith, I'd be I'd be buying him, but then sticking him out the right back. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll start. I'll start with my my three setbacks. Right. Um, so my number one centre back, my, my go-to man, and again I'll, I'll do the wee, the wee bios for them. Two hundred ninety-four appearances, sixty-one caps, nine leagues, three Scottish cups, six league cups. It's coffee. You've got to have Richard Goff. Yep, absolutely, there. absolutely. Um, I hope yep. you see as my team comes together. It is built on two things: winners and actual trophies in the background. Right. These, these boys could start a silver smelting plant um, <laughs> themselves, right? Um, so straight in to the next centre back because we're going to add a wee bit of uh, a wee bit of foreign flair. Uh, on forty nine appearances, three leagues, three Scottish cups, two league cups. Joined in ninety seven. There was there was wailing from the female Amo. Amo. When, he, when he left, and it's Lorenzo Amoruso. Amoruso, of course. Aye. I think he's a. I think he's a good mix in there with uh, with uh, with golf, and then uh, at the end of that as well, a guy who you know, um, kind of Lazarus, uh, Methuselah, even if you like, came in '97. You know, stayed beyond anybody's wildest expectations, apart from maybe Walter Smith's uh, 162 appearances, 69 caps, and that's you know three leagues. Two Scottish Cups and three League Cups, and these are all just one with us. Davy Weir. Yeah. I think as a three centre back pairing, you're going to get you're going to get little change out of them. Right. Okay. Before we move on, then, Gorham, uh, Weir, Goff, and Ammo. Good kind of defence for you. Yeah, I mean, like the only person that I would maybe I put forward because I thought in his day was probably a standout up here was Terry Butcher. I mean, Terry Butcher was just ridiculous. I mean, he came up here and he was probably the first real proper ball playing centre back that I'd seen. He could ping the ball 70, 80 yards straight to somebody's feet. We'd never really seen that in my time. And he just came up here and everything just looked so easy. But I think to say to Tommy, I mean, if somebody offered you those three centre backs, you probably couldn't really argue in all honesty. That's true, Scott. Have you have any objections? Sorry, I'm just sorry, before you jump in, Scott, I was just going to say to William. Happily take Butcher as well. He was very much in the thinking. Don't don't get me wrong. He was definitely in there. No, I I kind of um, I, I had golf. So I played a, a a back four, and I had Craig Moore and Richard Goff as my two yeah. centre halves. Um, Goff was just a great leader, wasn't he? I mean, even you see him now, he just oozes sort of "I am the man" type thing every time you see him. Um, so yeah, he has to be in there. Um, Amoruso as well, just for the ladies. Um, and I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I think Davy Weir's a great shout as well. I mean, Tommy's absolutely Probably right. Sure. He, he almost arrived as a stopgap, um, and he, he done some he done some great things at the football club when he was there. Oh, I'll tell you how good golf was. I don't remember golf from the early nineties, 
but I remember him when he came back. Yeah. Mm, and he was still a standout, and he was getting fair on in age. Right. So Tommy midfield. Well, just just to bookend that, right? Because I do love a I do love a start, and I, and I show that I've done some research in the background as well, right? That back four, right? Those three centre backs and that keeper, right? Between them, nearly eight hundred appearances for Rangers, right? Fourteen League Cups winners medals, eleven Scottish Cup winners medals. Anybody want to take a guess how many league titles they have between the four of them? Combined, uh, 17. 16. I was going to say 19. You're all wrong, right? But Scott wins the banana for being closest. 20. Oh, there you go. 20 league, league wins there between your back four. Those boys know how to get the job done. Right. How many of those league titles were awarded, though? <laughs> I can honestly tell you, none of them. None of, uh, right. none of them were. Uh, none of them were won on a server. <laughs> yeah, they have medals. Midfield, midfield. Before we run out of time. Okay, let me jump straight in. I'll, I'll make this a bit quicker then, right? So, um, keeping up with some of this stuff, though. Two hundred eighty-eight appearances over two spells, forty-four goals, forty-five caps, five leagues, five Scottish cups, five league cups. It's a guy who has to be a stick on for anybody of a certain leader, Barry Ferguson. Aye, aye, he's, he's got he's got to be in there, right? Simpl- can't not be in it. Can't not be in it. Can't can't not be in it. I think he would be the guy of everything. I won't wax lyrical about him, and we know about his persona off the field and his media persona, right? Putting that to one side, Barry Ferguson is probably in everybody's midfield because he's certainly one of the most get just Rangers. He's one of the most talented players that Scotland has ever produced. Full stop. Right. Right? Um, so I'll, I'll gloss over that, right? He's a stick on. In there next to him, because it's a four-man midfield, right? And I'm putting a guy on the left, a guy on the right, that mm, you might want to kind of jump in and out of, right? But I think they'll do the jobs. I won't spend too much time talking about this guy either. I'm not even going to roll out any stats. In next to Barry Ferguson is Graham Soonis. Soonis and Fergie as your centre midfield pairing. You know what I mean? Barry can uh, can, then dictate it, and uh, Soonis can direct it, so to speak. I, I can't imagine many people are going to outfight or outplay those two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and both can get forward and get the odd goal uh, as well. You certainly, aye, wear ear defenders if you've made a mistake as well, because they certainly will tell you about it. Um, left-hand side of my midfield four, uh, we spoke about idols, and this guy's one of mine, so he was never going to get, get a miss. 96, uh, he joined 156 appearances, 58 goals, Three cats for his native country, three leagues, two Scottish Cups, two League Cups. The hammer mm-hmm. that is your Belt. Yep. Yep, yep, right. yep, yep. Again, classy player. His passing ability is sometimes overlooked because of his goals mm-hmm. and his, uh, his ability to hit it. His passing was actually spot on. Yeah. And he worked a bit harder than, when I went back and watched some of this, he worked a bit harder than I remembered as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that feeling was a wee bit of a yeah, give me the ball and I'll go forward. But he actually you know, did more than that. Uh, great player. Should have been at Rangers longer, uh, in my opinion. Should have seen his career out there. But and he deserved more than just three German caps. But such is such is life. And on the right hand side, and I need to admit this was a bun fight in my mind, right? And all the names circled through. They're trying wedge in Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. They're dropping a bit more balance with Stuart McCall, who probably deserves to be in there as well. What about Gaza? You know, did I get him in the midfield as well? Ultimately, though, I had to go for this guy. Again, classy. Two spells at the club. Not a lot of goals, but six leagues and all that. I think he's a real, a real classy player. Trevor Stephen. Mm. Oh, yeah. What a player. He's, a, he's on my right-hand side. Aye, yep. He's on my right-hand side. So, my midfield. Uh, that's right. my midfield four. Right. So, midfield for uh, Alberts, Ferguson, Sunnis. And Trevor Stephen, William Fox, would you, was that the same kind of midfield you would pick? I fell in love with one of the guys he named earlier on, uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. Mm. I guess I think he's probably one of the most gifted midfield players that I've ever seen. And at such a young age, he just he strolled it in Scotland and then when he moved to Arsenal and Barcelona, I think it showed you just how good the guy was. But as Tommy says, I mean, he picked four out of the midfield players that we've had over the years, guys like Rayner. Even guys like Peter Hustra. I mean, Peter Hustra was a, was a fantastic footballer. Mark Walters, these guys. So, 
it's an impossible task to pick four midfield players. Nobody will ever sit and agree with you on a midfield floor. Never. And uh, if you want to learn anything more about Peter Hustra and just what a fantastic midfielder he was, you can find an interview on uh, This Is Ibrox. Just go to YouTube and type I think he actually speaks Japanese, does he know, Scott? Yeah. I think he does speak an element of Japanese, yes, you're uh-huh. absolutely right. Yep, definitely, yep. Right, so Scott, your opinion on that midfield? Well, I, again, I, I can't help but think that the professors selected two of the guys that I picked last week for my midfield. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I kind of disagree with it. I was a huge fan of Trevor Stephen when he played, um, was um, in a state of disbelief when he left for those French fuckers, frankly. Um, <laughs> really disappointed about that. But, uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a wonderful footballer and developed a really good... Um, Rapport, of course, with Gary Stevens behind him at right back when he was Ibrox for a wee while too. Uh, Alberts was was one that I wasn't sure about. I don't know if if I had the option to pick Alberts or Van Bronckhorst, similar to what William suggested on the left hand side. I think I would go with Van Bronckhorst just for his work ethic down the left hand side. That was all. Again, I'll say you know I agree with what everybody's saying. Really tough, and I think I've said this before as well. Nigh on impossible to pick a midfield. Yeah. That everybody's going to be on. Gio was definitely in thinking as well. I've let my heart rule, rule even the professor's head on this one. The stats <laughs> went out the window and Alberts was getting in that team. Um, I, I listen, if it was Gio in there, I don't think anybody would argue with that. I certainly wasn't a great player. I was you always say, I was like, definitely whatever either you grew up in, you'll never agree. I mean, I only see a small amount of Ian in my lifetime, but anybody that I've spoken to that's older than me said that Ian Durant was the best midfield player they ever seen play for Rangers. And, and of course, uh, Derek Ferguson was somebody a lot of people that I've spoke to said was phenomenal. So, yeah, or some of the younger ones will only know, you know, guys for the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an impossible task. You'll never get, you know. Exactly. The only well, actually, I, just to bookend it, sorry, Martin, just to bookend it, and I, when I was looking at, you know, maybe uh, selections and the, the, uh, the formation to play, the reason he, this guy dropped out of my mind and I ended up just sticking with information that was in, in my mind because I didn't see enough of him. What I did see was really classy. But a guy who was in my mind was two guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he just didn't, he didn't get enough appearances for me to justify then putting him into the team. Yeah. Well, actually, just on, on what Willie was saying there, people will never agree. Unfortunately, Alberts was my absolute hero growing up, right, along with David Robertson, he was, right? But because of the way that my team's set up, he's not in it. Right? And also, you're talking about the Stephen there. Gary Stevens, who I've seen videos of and stuff and clips of. I'm too young to remember Gary Stevens. So I've got a real problem at right back. But the, the Alberts thing, that's going to kill me because there's somebody who I think was just slightly better than him that I'm going to play in that position. Ooh. But Tommy, up front. Uh, yes, so it's uh, one in the middle, two out wide. Um, stretch, stretch the opposition's back four and get in between the lines. Um, whatever that means. So I'll start. I'll leave the. I'll leave the straight up to the end. Not that anybody's going to be surprised at who I picked. Um, right wing, with a bit. Of a, well, right wing with a bit of a. You know, do do what you want. It's all very sexy. I'm not going to even look up your stats because you're so good. <laughs> it is the one and only Brian Lydro. Yeah. <laughs> Just essentially, here's a jersey. Go and go and do whatever you want. Do as you please. Aye. Aye. And we'll see you at half time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Um, another one, though, that, and I think these interviews have borne it out, that he regrets going to Chelsea on that free transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rotation system that was in place there, lack of getting a defined place in the team, really killed him. Uh, I think he wishes he'd have stayed at Rangers. No. Um, and just a, an absolute. Genius for the ball, honestly. Running, running at pace, able to go left or right, ability to think his way out of really tight situations, an eye for a goal, an eye for a pass. So, you know what? I'm just going to stop talking about him. But, um, <laughs> this should be this should be behind a paywall. Uh, such was the sexy football that he was he was playing. So, um, aye, I'll move on. Right, left wing. Now again, love love this guy to bits. Genuinely love him to bits. I love him even in his post football career. Um, I know who you're going to say. That's what they are. He's always been a hero of mine. Um, you know, 113 appearances, 19 goals, including some really big ones. Uh, you know, 
fire in the belly, ice in the veins. It's uh, Neil McCann. Mm -hmm. I think one of the best wingers Scotland has ever produced. Yeah. Or sorry, the best wingers that Scotland has ever produced. Absolutely. When, if you look back at the clips, his ability to go by a man, even with a change of gears, right? But see his ability to put the ball on a penny. Scottish mm. Cup final and all that. Yeah. I mean, his deliveries made some Rangers strikers. Absolutely. Mm. Top top draw delivery. Top draw. Yeah. Up front, then, your striker, is it, is it number nine? Christ, close your eyes and take a guess. <laughs> um, but I will do the stats because they're interesting. <laughs> 418 appearances. 251 goals and all that, 10 leagues, um, more importantly and all that, right, just to get into it, right, simply the best, right, the guy that everybody wanted to, to be growing up and every lassie wanted to be uh, <laughs> and if you were happy to be lucky enough to get old enough to get to Victoria's and such, you know, street, you might have had a chance. Oh, your name is Sue Barker. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, allegedly, yeah. Uh, we'll edit that one out. <laughs> what people might not still be completely aware of is, and you know, I was doing my research for this obviously as well, and some of them I knew and some of, some of them I didn't, but 87-88 season, European, top, uh, European Cup top scorer, mm -hmm. right? and then you've got two golden boots, 91-92 season, and the 92-93 um, as well. Mm -hmm. With a broken leg. With, a, with, that, with that broken leg as well. But also, 1987 came in 21st place in the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. There you go. It is the one and only Super, super Ally McCoy's MBE. Dynamite striker. I don't know how anybody can choose anybody above him. Right, Scott, I'll come to you first for your reaction here, right? But just before I do, he's not in my team. Go, Scott. Oh. Well, listen... I went. I had three um, when I done mine last week, and it was Loudrup playing off of McCoyst and Moles. Um, McCoyst, because you just you simply can't leave him out for all the obvious reasons that Tommy spoke about. Absolute dynamite, Tommy spot on. Um, and Moles was in there for his his technical ability. Best technical striker I think I've ever seen at Ibrox. Such a skillful footballer. Um, I think Tommy's front three is is quite decent. Neil McCann is a fantastic shout. Um, and to, to think that he played in the grand scheme of things, not a great deal of games for us. 119 games isn't a, a huge amount, but um, my goodness, what a player. I mean, the, 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 he's instantly remembered for um, the obvious game at Celtic Park. Um, but that cross for Lovingkrans in the cup final um, couldn't have been better. It could not have been better. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a real top three uh, with quality, Tommy. Well done. Your take on it, Wally? I will. Neil McCann's the only footballer that's ever made me cry because when he put that <laughs> on the back of that for a few nights, I was in tears at Parkhead. I thought that day would ever arrive, honestly. I remember, I remember I got a phone call in the morning of the game to say I had a ticket. I suspect my cousin had had the ticket for a few days, but I was quite young and I was quite excited, excitable. So he waited until the morning of the game to tell me I had a ticket. So I actually walked all the way from his place to Johnston to get on the supporters bus. He's brilliant. brilliant. Best, the best ever as a Rangers fan. That day will never be better. Even being at Easter Road and winning the league was great, but to beat Celtic Park and to win the league, it was just, it was the best ever. No Rangers fan I'll ever, I'll ever beat that. I know people talk about 55, but you know, to do it at Parkhead or Celtic Park, whatever you want to call it, and the way that they were reacting in the stands and, and the jubilation of the Rangers end. and I can honestly say, I'd more men kiss me that day than ever before in my life. That was <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was crazy, surreal day. And yeah, look, I mean, Neil McCann, phenomenal player. Mm -hmm. Really underrated by a lot of Rangers fans. His ability to cross the ball into the box. I mean, even the day at Celtic Park, the 3-3 free -free game, where they put the ball on the head of uh, Ronald De Boer. Yep. I mean, that ball, I mean, Celtic fans are still celebrating. About mm -hmm. 30 seconds after the goal, and he swings in. The most ridiculous ball that you'll ever see, and the bird doesn't even really need to move, he just headers it into the back of the net. His ability to put the ball into the box was. I think one of the things I, I, I really like about Neil McCann is that, um, even as his, and I think Tommy covered it slightly when he, he sort of 
wrapped in the game and moved on to sort of punditry and coaching to a certain extent as well. He's never shied away of how proud he was to to play for Rangers and be involved in what he was involved in. He always speaks really fondly about the club. Um, he's just he, yeah. he's one of these guys. We talk about European footballers that come to Rangers, then they they seem to get it. Apologies for the quotes, Tommy. Um, but, <laughs> but 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 Neil McCann absolutely did get it. He he really did. Um, and I think there was a lot of things said when he arrived at Rangers that he was he was a Celtic fan and the wolf in sheep's clothing and all that. Um, but he he clearly wasn't. He clearly loved his time at Ibrox, and we were lucky to have him. We really were. I would love to play at the academy. Great right. player. Put himself on to it. I agree with you guys there. Um, you know, McCann always showed up in the jersey, and like you say, he's taken. He took the club to his heart. There's a great clip. I can't remember what game it's after. Uh, when he was doing his punditry for Sky, and he says, you know, you can probably find it on Twitter or whatever. And he says, oh, if I was a Celtic fan, yada yada yada. And then you just hear him <laughs> adding in, which I'm, which I'm not. <laughs> so I. Um, Again, the type of guy, I would like to think if you look through my team, that's not a dressing room where you're going to be able to not put in a performance without somebody challenging you. Correct. Right, well, Scott and Molly, I'm going to come to you for marks out of 10. So I'm going to read the team out. It's Goreman Goal, a back three, a David Weir, Richard Goff, Lorenzo Amoruso. A midfield four, a Jorg Alberts. Who was on the right again? I'm not on it then. <laughs> Trevor Stephen, <laughs> Graham Soonis, Barry Ferguson, um, uh, front three, uh, Brian Loudrop, Neil McCann, and Ali McCoist. So, Willie, marks out of 10 from a team from 88 to now. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, now you're, you're probably talking nine, nine out of 10. I see the only reason I would change it is because we played 4 4 2 so often back then. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen, if McCoist was in the team, I had to be Mark Hitler that was next to him. Because yeah. they were just unbelievable. But I mean, if you're playing that formation and that team, if you have two wide players that could ping the ball into the box like that for McCoy's team, he would have had a field day. Mm-hmm. He would have probably scored 60 goals, 70 goals in that team because of how much the attacking qualities in the team. I mean, ridiculous quality, really. I hope you noticed that as soon as you said nine, you moved from being called William to Willie. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Scott, you're Mark out of 10. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with William. I think it's a 9 out of 10 as well. I think, you know, one thing I would, and this is for you, Tommy, um, who would you pick for your captain? Strangely enough, I, I, weirdly enough, I did think about that, right? And I, I would go with probably Goff. Yeah, right? me too. And it, it would be because Ferguson and Sunus would be your immediate thoughts. Um, it would either be, well, the reason why it would be neither of them is like I think both Ferguson and Sunis also come with the big ego, and I'd rather just them doing the job that they need to do. And they're going to be captains and, you know, without the, the armband. It would come down to Goff or maybe Weir, and Weir might shade Goff for his calming presence, but yeah. Goff's just so much experience and silverware that I end up going with Goff. If sure. you ever watched Goff before an old firm game when he'd be standing in the tunnel, Mm-hmm. Never looked at Celtic players. Mm-hmm. Never took their hands. It was, you know, I'm focused on the task in hand. We're going to win this game. And that was how it was. And that's why he was always going to be the best leader in that team. He didn't care about anybody else. He didn't care about the other team's players, how they were going to play. He was the captain of Rangers. He believed that whenever we went out in that pitch, we were going to win. And 95 times out of 100, we did. And that's why he'll always be remembered, in my view, is the best Rangers captain that we've ever had because what he done during his time at Rangers was yep. ridiculous. Nobody will ever get close to that. No other captain in Scotland will get close to that. I, I agree. Well, up, against the, up against the quality of Absolutely. the opposition that they were winning those titles. Absolutely. Um, always going to be the one for me as well. Well, yeah. Gents, we had so much more to talk about, but unfortunately, due to the fact that Tommy can't <laughs> shut up, we, <laughs> we had we had the Rangers TV stuff, the Sky deal with a couple of transfer rumors, but unfortunately, we've run out of time. So it's all your fault, Tommy. I don't know if you're shaking your head. At. I think this is unfair to blame. <laughs> I'll take some responsibility. I know sometimes I talk too much. 
Thank, thank you, William. Just very kind concern the other two. Uh, I'll just uh, get in their shoulder here and turn it away from us. Uh, I've got all my research here on all the other topics that you are going to cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, all that's left for me today, actually, is apologise to the viewers because my face has changed colour about six times during this broadcast. Um, but uh, listen, for people listening um, who download the podcast, you can get the podcast via Acast, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, for people on YouTube who watch it, if you could leave a like and subscribe, it really helps us grow. Um, if you want any of your Rangers news, head over to thisisibooks.co.uk. Just ignore the blogs from Tommy in Glasgow, because I know the best. <laughs> what have I done? What, what have I done this evening? Uh, <laughs> a, big, <laughs> a big thank you, as ever, to Scott and Tommy. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Martin. Thank you. Well done, Tommy. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, William. And a big massive thanks to Wally Urban and the Rangers Youth Updates for coming on. Thanks very much, Wally. Here, here. Well done, William. Great to have thanks, you. Pleasure, guys. Thanks very much for having me.